0: Thank you for joining us. At Barton Church, we're all about seeing lives, communities and culture transformed by the gospel. We're working our way through Luke's gospel in a series called We Follow. We're now up to chapter 13 and 14 and exploring more about what it means to follow Jesus in today's world as whole life disciples. Today, we're continuing to make our way through the book of Luke, and we're up to Luke 13, verses 18 to 21. Just a short passage today. This is what Luke records Jesus as saying. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Sometimes it's difficult preaching. I know Oz and I make it look easy. And some of you might think that I just roll out of bed, turn on the camera and then rant about whatever's on my mind for 30 minutes or so but that's not what happens at all for example today you know i've been up for a few hours already no i i think it's hard preaching on passages like this i find it personally hard preaching on parables about the the kingdom of god i like the parables if you know me you know i have a thing for stories i have a thing for imagery metaphor things like that Uh, and that's essentially what the parables are and i feel like that having someone you know take a metaphor take a picture take an image and sort of say well let me dissect it in front of your very eyes and let me tell you what it all really means and what and, and how it looks when you take it apart i think sometimes that that kills the power of the message and that the point of the parables is not, you know, they're easy to understand and that uh, it's clear necessarily what they mean. I think the preacher is sometimes like a photocopier. I'll tell you what I mean by that. When I was younger, uh, I went to a service at a church, Remembrance Day service. It was was 20 years ago and it was a small church and they had an order of service which said photocopied and hand it out so you knew what was happening and what the words of the songs were and so on. And on the front of this uh, photocopied order of service they had, um, because it was a they'd photocopied a poppy and that was on the front of the service. I thought that was a nice idea but one thing I noticed was that um, it was a colour photocopy but the thing about poppies is they are vibrant and alive, you know, the, the red and the black and the green, it's a a, a, quite a striking contrast. When you photocopy a poppy, even if it's a colour photocopy, the, like the one on the, the, the front of this order of service, it looked a bit washed out, the colour wasn't as bright, the, it, it, it looked a bit sad and I remember at the time thinking that's what preaching is like sometimes. You take the Bible, which is full of colour and vibrancy and life, and you give it to a preacher, and and you get a photocopy of what's in the Bible. And if if the preacher's any good, you'll get perhaps you might notice some details you didn't notice before, or the 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 contrast between the colours. You'll say, oh, that's that's quite striking. I've never never really thought about it that way. But to be honest, much of the time. The preacher will preach and you'll just get a washed out photocopy of what was already in the Bible. Something you just read, but with with less of the life, less less of the energy, less of the colour. And if you're really, really unfortunate, you'll get a preacher who's stuck on the monochrome setting. And all you get is a black and white handout. The Bible, with all its colour, drained and gone and sucked out. There are some preachers who know how to tell stories, who are really good at telling stories. Some of them, I think, could have given Jesus a run for his money. One of my favourites is a guy called Fred Craddock, who I've probably mentioned a few times or told a few of his stories. Uh, he died about five years ago, I think, but he was born in um, 1928, if I remember correctly. So, so he had quite a good innings. But he was a, a fantastic preacher and a, a master storyteller. One of his stories that, that I like, that I remember has always stuck with me, he tells of a time when he'd, he'd just finished his training as a minister and he was, was one of his first churches he was in, so he was quite young, this probably would have been, I don't know, not too long after World War II ended, I suppose, and it was a church in eastern Tennessee in a, near a place called Oak Ridge. Now, Some of you, probably very few of you, if any of you, might know the name Oak Ridge because it was the centre or one of the centres of the research that the Americans did into the Manhattan Project, the the developing a nuclear bomb during World War II. Oak Ridge was one of the the main places in that. And after the war finished, it remained a key location in terms of nuclear power and so on. And uh, it was kind of booming as a place and people were moving in to help build power plants and all kinds of things. And Fred, as the minister of this church, thought, this is great. What can we do to reach out as a church? What can we do to reach out and welcome these people into our church and and let them experience the gospel? And one of the people in his church said, I'm not sure they'd fit in in our church. You know, they're construction people and they're temporary. They're here in sort of their trailer parks and they come and they'll do their building and their projects and when it's finished they'll just they'll just move on they'll go somewhere else so I'm not sure they would fit in in our church I'm not sure they'd feel at home in our church and Fred said well let's talk about it at the next church meeting let's have a discussion about what we're going to do and so at the next church meeting someone stood up from the church and said I'd like to propose a change to our church rules. I'd like to suggest that you can only belong to this church, you can only become a member of this church if you own property in the county. And someone said, oh, I second that. And Fred sort of voted against it. Of course he did. This went against everything he wanted to do with the church. But it passed and the church voted that you can only belong to this church if you own property in the county. Now, this was a very painful thing for Fred to experience, as you can probably appreciate. And many years later, uh, he was travelling with his wife and they were passing nearby and he thought, well, let's find this church. Let's find this church I used to be the minister of and see what happened to it. And he said it took him a long time to find it because a lot had changed in the years and there was a new interstate going through the area and so on, He said eventually they found it down a gravel road, they found this old church that he used to be the minister of and the car park was absolutely full, he said it was crammed of of vans and motorbikes and cars and all kinds of things and as they got closer they saw a sign outside the church that said barbecue, all you can eat and they pulled up and they parked and they realised what had happened, the church, it wasn't a church anymore. It had been closed down. It was now a restaurant. And they thought they'd get some food while they were there. And so they went into this restaurant and it was absolutely packed. All kinds of people from all walks of life sitting down and eating together. Uh, and Fred leaned over to his wife and said, it's a good thing this isn't still a church or these people couldn't be in here. Now, that that's a, a story I like it. Uh, it's stuck with me. I, I remember that story for a while. I like it. I can't really get close to telling stories like that myself. Either I don't have the experiences, I don't have the the ability to to tell them that well as as, as well as he did. Uh, but I, I've liked that one for a while. So how long have I been? In? I've been speaking for nearly ten minutes, and I managed to put it off so far. I've not started. Talking about the passage, I suppose I better start saying something about the actual passage, hadn't I? Look, the, the thing is, I'll tell you why preaching on passages, preaching on these parables, the parables of the kingdom of the God of God, is so hard to me. I'll tell you why I struggle with it because um, the sometimes we we look at the parables and we think they're just stories, and what are stories for in our culture really, they're, they're to entertain and that Jesus is telling these to entertain people because after all that's why most of us who speak use stories isn't it, to stop people from getting bored. But that's not what Jesus is doing, that's not what our stories are really about, that's not what they're for, that's not why we've told stories since, you know, the, the, the times we, we humanity's been able to communicate stories are more than that they're deeper than that and what we have here these parables these whatever four verses two very short parables two sentences for one one sentence for another that I struggle to preach I struggle to speak on these because not because they're so short but because they're too big these parables are too big for for someone like me to talk about to to um to unlock and and explain and if you really think about what jesus is saying here if you do the work and i think you should when you read the bible you should always think about what you're reading it's a shame that so many of us are so familiar with it we just file it away, we let the words wash over us and we don't think about what we're actually hearing. The thing is, if you think about what Jesus is actually saying here, if you explore and and ask yourself questions about what's going on here, you find these are not just nice little stories, not pithy sayings, not things to entertain people or to, to stop people from getting bored. These parables are hard to swallow. They are difficult to accept they are dangerous they will blow your world open they will change the way you have to think about the world they are difficult scandalous things take for example the first parable i read about the mustard seed a man plants a mustard seed into his garden it grows into a tree and birds the birds of the air perch in its branches i mean just sounds like a nice image doesn't it and the idea of planting something in it growing and the birds coming to nest in it it's kind of this spring we've got spring on the way and we're looking at the the, the flowers beginning to open and we're thinking about how to do the gardening and we think this is a nice parable it's about gardening it's about growing things it's not it's a strange thing it's not about that at all it's not really anything to do with the sort of nice imagery it's an odd strange difficult parable because the the first thing is mustard seeds right mustard seeds don't grow into trees that's just wrong that's just weird they're more of a bush thing like if i said to you i'm going to tell you a parable a man planted some rhubarb in his garden and it grew into a tree and the birds of of the air came and perched in its branches you you'd say well that's not quite right James is it rhubarb doesn't do that have you seen rhubarb it doesn't grow into a tree it doesn't act like that this is what a must this is a must seed. this is what Jesus is, is says about a mustard seed is it because Jesus doesn't know what happens when you plant a mustard seed has he never seen uh, a mustard seed bush before no of course he has he knows what he's talking about so it's deliberate it's odd it's strange and it's again it's not just something unusual to make you perk up and listen and say oh that's a bit odd I wasn't expecting that so i better listen to the rest of what he's saying because then the parable's over before you've even thought about it before you know he's just got your attention and it's finished it's like Jesus is wanting to say you know what the kingdom of God is it's strange it's unusual it's something different to what you would expect you plant a bush and you get a tree that's what the kingdom of God is like it's it's not what you expect and and that's kind of where it goes from there It becomes harder, particularly for the listeners, Jesus' listeners, to stomach what he's saying. It becomes more scandalous, more dangerous, because again, this image of the birds perching in its branches, as I say, that's nice, oh we like that, a bird singing in the branches, oh yeah, I love waking up to birdsong and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what would be going through the heads of the people who Jesus was speaking to that very first time when he told that parable because this idea of the birds coming and perching in the branches of a tree it is a, a biblical image it appears in the old testament a few times and it had certain connotations it appears there's there's two examples uh, uh daniel and the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, verse 12, you find again this image of the birds coming and perching in the, the branches of a tree. And it's a parable, likewise. It's, it's a dream, actually, that Daniel is interpreting. And who's, who's the tree? What is the tree? The tree is Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king, the pagan king, the, the Babylonian king is the tree that the, the, the birds perching and in ezekiel 31 verse 6 you have again exactly the same imagery the imagery of a tree which the birds of the air come and nest in and perch in their branches and this time ezekiel is referring to he's speaking you know this is what god has said about assyria about a pagan empire the empire that came and actually conquered the the northern northern kingdom the people of god carried crashed their land and and, and slaughtered them and and in this prophecy uh, Assyria is likened to a tree the the birds of of the air came and perched in its branches so this imagery had connotations with the people of God this was an imagery of the Gentiles it was an imagery of the pagan nations that's what it meant and this would have been scandalous for Jesus to be saying to his hearers. He's saying, you know, the kingdom of God is strange, it's unusual, it's not what you expect. It it doesn't work the way you think it works. You you plant it thinking you're just going to get a bush, but actually what you get is a tree that goes further than you imagine it could go. And who is it who rests in the kingdom of God? Who is it who finds refuge in the branches of the kingdom of God? It's Them, the unclean, those who are over there, those who are outside the people of God, those who you think are outside the kingdom of God are actually the ones who you find resting in its branches. This would have been upsetting, to say the least, for the people Jesus was talking to and I suppose one of the things I find difficult about preaching on this passage is that we don't find it quite as upsetting no, I think in reality perhaps we should if we stopped and thought about the the logical uh, ramifications of what Jesus is saying perhaps it should scandalize us too the kingdom of God is not what you think it is this is what Jesus I believe, is trying to communicate. The kingdom of God goes beyond your borders, beyond your limits, and it embraces those you think are outside of its reach. It's like Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is bigger than anything you can imagine. He, and the, the, the second parable that I just need to mention, because I think it fits so well with the first un- that understanding, the kingdom of God is like yeast, that gets into the, the dough and it and it spreads, and it's like there's not a corner of the whole loaf of bread that has not been touched by the yeast. What if Jesus is saying to, to his hearers, but to us, what if he's saying the kingdom of God, there's not a corner of the world that has not been touched by the kingdom of God? How how do you feel about that? How would that make you feel? If that's really what Jesus was trying to tell us, that the kingdom of God goes beyond our, our understanding of what where it should, and it reaches out, and it has touched every single corner of this earth, even the dark places where we think there's nothing good there, nothing good happening there. The kingdom of God is already there. How, how, how am I supposed to preach about that? What am I supposed to say about that because if you think about the implications of what Jesus seems to be saying here is we have to ask ourselves these questions have I somehow shrunk the kingdom of God in my my head have I somehow made it smaller and manageable and, and more understandable than actually God intends it to be are there ways in which God is working in the world and I I, I've denied that I have said that's not God that's not God why because they're not our people it's only us who bring the kingdom of God it's only us whom God works through have I ever said that have I ever thought that can you ask yourself that question because I don't know how to ask that question of you. I don't know what to say or what to demand uh, 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 of you. I don't know what I even think about any of this or what what I'm saying, but I think maybe we need to ask ourselves the question at the very least. Is it possible that we've had an idea of what the kingdom of God is, that we think we've got it nailed down, we think we understand, but in reality we've got it wrong? we've been championing something that is smaller than than what God actually is maybe we've been holding something up and saying this is what the kingdom of God is like this is who God uses this is how he works in the world this is what he is doing and what he does and we're holding this up and in our hands we've got a, a faded washed out photocopy rather than the real thing is that possible have we have we done that and the kingdom of God is so much bigger and bolder and vibrant than we have allowed ourselves to think. That God might there might be things God is doing in the world through people who we don't like or don't agree with or, or don't think... God would would want to use because they don't believe the right things and yet it turns out the kingdom of God is there and, and God is at work and it's and those are the ones who have come to rest in the branches of the kingdom and those are the ones who are the yeast spreading the light into the dark corners of the world and although it's possible we will never be and um, I hope this is the case, or we never belong to a church that would go so far as to say, you know what, we want to pass a church rule that says you can only be a member of this church if you own property in the county. You know, we—I assume none of us have ever been part of a church like that, and I assume none of us would say, yeah, that sounds like my sort. Of church, and although we may never think that way, or never say anything like that, or never belong to a church that thinks that way, or encourage anyone to think that way, are there ways in which we, in our in our hearts and minds, have done something similar and said, you know what? I think those people out there, I prefer them being outside the kingdom of God my world does not work if those people are allowed to be included in what God is doing my world does not work if God is actually somehow working through those people have we done that have we ever done that do we do that now do we ever think that way do we ever say God isn't using them. God isn't working their lives. Why? Because they're not one of us. Because they don't believe the same things I do. They don't think the way I do about the Bible or about uh, God and Jesus and all that stuff. Can I ask you to think about that? Can I ask you just to be honest Because it seems to me that that is what Jesus is saying here. It definitely seems the case if you think about what he he did for the woman in the previous story we heard, which I I spoke on last week. And, And when you look at what Jesus is going to go on to say in the next sermon, it definitely seems to me that these parables seem to fit perfectly in this idea of, look, the world is not quite the way you want it to be. The people whom God works in, the people whom God is inviting, the people whom God is using, they might not be your kind of people. It seems to me that that there's something of that in in the parables that that Jesus is saying here. So I think we should ask ourselves the questions. You know, I'm not going to ask it outright and any more than i have done in this sermon but it seems to me that jesus is asking it and if we we're serious about following jesus if we're serious about taking jesus seriously then we have to listen we have to ask ourselves that question we have to think what have i done to the kingdom like have i have i shrunk it somehow have i said to god have i told god god you know what you you're not going over there I know you, you, you might be, but no, I'm not allowing it. You know, I want the yeast. If the yeast is in here, we're going to keep the yeast back. We're going to stop it doing its work because it's better if I know exactly what the yeast is and who has it and, and, and where it is. And if I can, I'm the one who can distribute it rather than letting it do its work. Where do I put the border? The limits of God's kingdom. And his work and am i right to do that if you think about where it is i mean again i'm not saying i'm not trying to um i'm not deliberately trying to uh pick on anyone this morning but i genuinely think each of us probably needs to ask that question of ourselves where do i limit god's kingdom to where are the borders of god's kingdom in my mind and have i put them in the right place have i done right thing here and what if I'm wrong what if the border of God's kingdom extends further than I thought it did what if the limits of God's kingdom reach out beyond what I expected how how do I feel about that does that make me uncomfortable does it shock me does it uh, anger me does it excite me does it does it um surprise me what if God's kingdom was bigger than I thought it was. Than I had made it in my 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 thoughts. And I'm not going to give an answer to that question. I'm not going to answer. It's too big a question for me to answer. I can't um, answer that for for any of you. I can only think about what Jesus says and ask that question of myself. So um, so I'm, I'm going to ask that. I'm going to leave that with you this morning because it seems to me that this is certainly a question that Jesus asks of us and you can give him your answer you don't need to to justify yourselves to me you don't need to explain anything to me but having said all that hopefully you can understand hopefully you're going to understand why I struggle sometimes to preach on on these stories when I, I struggle to, to to preach on the parables of the kingdom of God because they're too big they're too big for you know a, a rundown photocopier like me.